I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Mile High Hockey Mile High Hockey Mile High Hockey Mile High Hockey Hockey You're in the right place if you want to talk about Colorado Avalanche Hockey because that's what we do here. Um, I am your new host, Ezra Parter, in for Adrian Hernandez, who has decided that he'd rather be a producer uh, and sometimes on-air talent. Very, very gracious of him to pass the torch over to me. I'm excited to do this. And, and I'm joined, of course, by uh, uh, Evan Liu, Jacob Windling, and Jackie Kay. Everybody say hi. Greetings. Hello, hello. And just for the listener, listening audience, a better way to introduce you would have been for you to say who you are so they can hear whose voice is whose. Uh, Evan, I'll start with you. Oh, well, it's okay. Well, this is this is Evan, obviously. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacob. I'm Jacob. And Jackie. And it's me, Jackie. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. I'll clean that up next time. <laughs> um, if you are... <laughs> thank you uh if you are uh if you are watching this on youtube good job um you should watch it live it really helps us the most if you're listening to it as a podcast also good job but uh check out our youtube channel we do this live on uh fridays at 3 30 mountain um or we put it out as a podcast both ways to listen are great but uh, if you do listen to that pod- that youtube one then you can chime in ask us questions etc so take a look at that if you want to um, today we are talking about uh, a rough week for the Avalanche, but also we're looking ahead to the Avalanche game against Edmonton tomorrow. Uh, and we are hoping to be joined by Jeff Chapman, the editor of SB Nation's Copper and Blue Edmonton Oilers podcast, uh, excuse me, blog. Uh, maybe they have a podcast. I don't know. We'll ask him. We'll find out. <laughs> um, uh, he uh, is potentially unavailable, so we are hoping to be joined by him. But if not, then we'll just keep talking about last night, which I imagine a lot of you listening uh, or watching are uh, <laughs> hoping to talk about because everybody's got strong opinions on what happened last night. But before we get into that, um, we put out a poll uh, on our Twitter asking folks um, which of our injured players' absences is most negatively affecting Colorado's success. And the the options on the poll were Gabe Landeskog, Val Nachushkin, Bowen Byram, and Josh Manson. Before we get into the results of the poll, I'm curious to hear what what uh, what our writers think. Um, Jackie, who, who would you have voted for if you voted? Or if you did vote, who did you vote for? I did vote, and it was for Byram. For Byram. Um, so I was one of the few, but um, I don't disagree with Landy winning this poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, the leadership quality that he brings is just something you can't really quantify and you can't replace. But I wanted to make a case for Byram, just that uh, they need some help on the back end. And I think... England and even Hunt have done well enough, but they need to get back to generating the offense that they need to. And with Byram coming back, whenever that happens, I think we'll kind of lift all boats in that regard. And so I think, uh, I think when he's back, it will make a big difference. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I definitely uh, agree with both the points you made about Gabe and about Bowen. Um, uh, uh, Jacob, what'd you say? I mean, I, I agree with Jackie that Byram deserve, deserves some shine. And, you know, Landeskog is the the one that you'd vote vote for, obviously. He's the the best player. He's the leader. And so, you know, they're they're missing their leader. That is very, very clear. Is this is kind of a rudder, rudderless team right now. And so, you know, the answer is Landeskog, but in the interest of, of being a contrarian, I'll add Manson to that list because, you know, EJ and Gerard are really struggling right now on the second defensive pairing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Manson and Byram getting those two back, I think are bigger than getting Landeskog back just because, you know, like Jackie said, it, it, it slots everybody back down into roles they're, they're more suited for that, you know, Gerard and EJ are just playing a little bit too much right now. You saw, you know, previewing the game last night, they fell asleep at the back door. And so, you know, really, they just need another, you know, somebody who can start offense from the back end and also lock down defense on, you know, on the back end as well. And so that's that's Byron Manson. Absolutely. 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 Evan, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, the obvious answer here is Landeskog. He is the leader of this team. He's the heart of this team. He is the person that is going to make an impact both on and off the ice. Um, with that being said, I will play devil's advocate here a little bit um, because obviously Landeskog is by far the the winner of this poll and everyone's mm-hmm. mentioned him, so on and so forth. So I'll play devil's advocate and talk about the third name on this poll, um, Valery Nachushkin. Nachushkin, um, you know, he's obviously started really hot. His new deal, um, you know, really got him going. He was real doing really, really well before he injured his ankle again and then went on to re-injure it, which is unfortunate to say the least. Um, so yeah, you know, he had 16 points in 15 games. You know, that's just something that is you're going to miss in the depth of this team and just something that players like Martin Cow and Curtis McDermott and company just, they can't replicate that. There is, there, there is no replicating that. So, and same with Landis guy too, like he had 59 points in 61 games. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, the amount of point production that you lose from those two guys, but Nachushkin in particular, because of the way he started this year mm-hmm. is just real unfortunate. So I believe uh when they had that little surge in December right before the break, they had Nichushkin for most of that, right? I just feel they like did. so I know Georgiev played really well during that stretch too, but it just it does seem like this team wins when they have Nichushkin in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about the defensive uh difficulties they've been having with with Hunt and England, but Bednar after uh the loss in LA was saying that some of the 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 goals against that seemed like they were on Gerard and Johnson were actually the fault of uh forwards not tracking back and enforcing uh, specific action from the opposing forwards through the neutral zone forcing them to the outside in the neutral zone and, and giving the defense a better chance and that's something that Nutrishkin and Landeskog excel at so uh, I think honestly it's like I'll take any one of these four back at this point because all of them will help make the defense better uh, and that's exactly. what we need but but bottom line the the fans are right 74 percent of them picked pick Gabe Landeskog and how do you argue with that result he's I mean, if if things started happening like they did last night on the bench and Gabe's there, uh, I think he's able to to simmer folks down a little bit and get things back I, on track. I have a wacky suggestion then because McDermott played four shifts, not even three minutes mm-hmm. at this point. And you mentioned even if they just had Landis Cog on the bench and his leadership, like the, <laughs> like this is an unrealistic situation because I, I don't yeah. think it's ever happened, but why not just put him on the bench dress him like he's not going to play but <laughs> he's there and player coach and, and yeah and him being there is going to be more worthwhile than what they whatever they think McDermott's bringing as far as leadership and, and team camaraderie or whatever it is so like is at that- this point I think they need to think outside the box for solutions I was going to say, I noticed you put that in the post-game recap and I yep. chuckled. It was, it was like, all right, that's, that's a solid dig. Like, who knows, right? But, you know, also I know that Jared Bednar would probably not do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, I I, I think his his uh, his systems are are unique and, and he's bringing something different than uh, a lot of other coaches maybe would, but that seems pretty far outside the box for any NHL coach. They don't just say yeah. the NHL is just not the most creative league, you know. Everybody's doing yeah, it really is. Everybody's <laughs> copycatting the last champion, which unfortunately we can't do because that was us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so so I guess let's uh dive into Landiscog a bit more. Um, is anybody worried about Landy missing the whole season? No, I mean, it's it's already been said to you by Bednar that he won't miss the entire season, which I trust. I hope that that's the case. <laughs> And, you know, I, I believe that that is not going to happen. Um, yes. While his time his not timetable, what's the word I'm thinking of his, his timeliness of, yeah. of returning is not, it keeps getting pushed back further and further. I don't think that this is something that is going to continue on for the rest of the season. I mean, if best things considered, like if it all works out, it will be like the 2021 or no, sorry, it'll be like the 2021 Tampa Bay Lightning. Stamkos goes on a Stamkos crew trip. I forget which one of them it was. Mm-hmm. It was on LTIR for the entire year, and then they make their way into the playoffs just about, and then, you know, both of them are back in time. That's kind of the hope if 
that's kind of the hope here too, if Landis God can't go for the regular season, but I don't think that that's the case at all, unless something drastic yeah. happens in his recovery. Yeah, that was, um, that was uh, Kucherov. And then Stamkos was out for a bunch of time that year as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to what we're seeing with, with Landis Gog and, and Val as far as forwards go, but, um, but yeah, he's not actually <laughs> on LTIR. Um, well, we're, I think we're going to do a live poll now uh, of, of our, anybody listening, anybody uh, on Twitter who sees this poll um, should the avalanche, if, if Landis Gog's not coming back, if, if things are getting worse, should the avalanche be tanking for Connor Bedard after what we saw from him at the world junior championships? That's the question. We're we're putting it out on Twitter. Please respond to it. We'll get to our live poll results in a bit. Um, but I want to ask uh, uh, ask you guys what you think of that. Um, Jacob, we'll start with you. Did you watch the World Junior Championships? Are you excited for Bedard? Should we tank for him if things aren't going well? I mean, it would be a pretty hard tank job at this point. They'd probably have to commit to not winning a single game the rest rest of the year. The way that the, <laughs> well, they don't have to get the the worst pot the best possible odds. They just have to get into the lottery. Right, but it's what is the bottom three to get the the top pick? Is it or is the uh, bottom five? Because I know they they put limits on how much you can move up in the lottery. I think it's the ten, ten, the ten spots. spots. Okay. I think yeah. it have to be bottom ten. Yeah. So I guess that but... bottom ten is doable. I was thinking it might be like bottom bottom five. So yeah, I mean you know you n- you never know. If this next week, you know, they get another ra- rash of catastrophic injuries, then yeah, start selling off off parts. You know, let's create some content here. <laughs> We we need the opposite of of 2017. We need Macar. Where no, sorry. We need our bad luck when we've drafted Macar fourth, but we need the good luck for this one in this in this parody instance to be like the ninth worst team in the league, but then get first in the draft lottery somehow. But and can you um, imagine the noise if that happened? Oh gosh, yeah, the just, league would lose their mind. Just to chime in real quick. To determine the NHL draft order according to Tankathon, all teams missing the playoffs are in the lottery. Teams with the least points get more chances to win the lottery. The first overall pick is awarded by drawing ping pong balls, yada, yada, yada. It says right now the Chicago Blackhawks have a 25.5% chance to secure that first overall pick. The Avs aren't even on the list of what looks like the top (laughs) 15, I want to say. Should be, it could have been made before last night too. <laughs> could have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, now that you now that you bring that up though, Adrian, if if Chicago does end up winning the draft lottery, we're gonna be playing Bedard three, four times a year. Oh, he's coming out west. It's just like real interesting. Yeah. The top five teams with a chance at him, I think, are all Western conference right now. It's he's Columbus. Columbus is. is really good. Oh, Columbus, Columbus is east. That's right. That's right. I if he comes out west, I would rather it be somewhere in the Pacific, like Anaheim or San Jose. Mm-hmm. I don't want to face him in in Arizona. Zegers Bedard would be fun. Uh, oh with God, that would be around there too. Anaheim would be fun. Top six are yeah, Chicago, Columbus, that'd be, that'd be Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's yeah. definitely going to try to push him to Chicago. Might, might, might sure. get a, uh, a frozen envelope situation there. Montreal is six, too. I could also see that, yeah. I, I don't know. I think we should stress that this is, like, parody. We're not saying we should do this immediately right now, unless unless I'm wrong and someone else on this panel really thinks that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I pitched this definitely as a joke, but I do think that, like, if, if there's a season to have a down year and miss the playoffs, it's one where you have a shot at Connor Bedard, right? Jackie, yeah, what do you think? Um, okay, well, I want to go back to Landy really quick. Sure. Um, I wouldn't, like, at this point, there is there is a lot of season left. We haven't even hit the halfway mark. But my concern with him is that this keeps dragging on and on and on. He's now had a second surgery. It's been mm-hmm. almost a year. Um, Bednar said that he's already, that the first timeline's out the window, and now he's on the second timeline, which I don't know why they couldn't just share that with us, because it, that actually sounds better than just like, oh, we have absolutely no idea when he'll be back. So at least there is another timeline. But honestly, I'm concerned for his career. And I know that sounds dramatic, but he's not the youngest player. And if this surgery doesn't fix it, he's dealt with this knee injury for almost a year at this point. Like what needs to happen for him to feel good enough to be able to play? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge concern. 
Yeah, I was gonna say he's he's had knee injuries like throughout his career, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, he plays a heavy style that that lends himself to those injuries, and so like that, you know, kind of compounds how scary it is that like even if he does come back and heal, you know, can he play the same heavy game? You know, this this is always kind of the question that you ask with with players like this, and why contract negotiations are so contentious with, you know, with players like this going into your thirties is, you know, if you throw your body around, how long is your body going to hold up? Yeah. And this was the conversation around the time of his resigning, whether it was worth it to invest in a guy who's going to age probably poorly. And he ended up getting an eight year contract, which I think, I mean, we were all in theory, happy to have him back, but also it's a big, it's a big concern. If he, if he Mm -hmm. does break down, I mean, there's a lot of bigger guys uh, who play a bigger game like him who have broken down in the past with like even guys like Michael Furland who was good for like two years and they're like oh yeah he's gonna be great uh and immediately immediately on the shelf um plenty of other players come that should come to mind before him but he was first for me um I was gonna say uh, that that's a name I haven't heard in a while <laughs> yeah I'm not sure why he's top of my list of <laughs> power forwards I guess Dustin Penner would be a good example too from back mm-hmm. in the day um there's I mean, Peter Forsberg is a great example of of a guy who's kind of you know dealt with this this exact situation throughout his career, except it was his his feet. Excellent, excellent point. Yeah, uh, and we've got Val dealing with multiple ankle injuries now too. So, two big guys signed for big contracts. Who uh, it's not unreasonable to be concerned about their long term outlook. But before we doom and gloom about that, let's give them a chance to come back this season and prove us wrong. You know, <laughs> no, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and you know, you mentioned Peter Forsberg going through the similar thing, but with his feet. I wonder if Landeskog has talked with Forsberg just to kind of get some mm-hmm. advice maybe, or, cause you know, there's obviously that connection there, right. They're Swedish and right. they both play for the abs, you know, things like that. You know, you have to think maybe he's talked to him about it and like tried to get, get some advice and try and see, you know, what can he do to, you know, maybe heal quicker or, you know, even just be able to help his team, you know, mm-hmm. when he's not on the ice. So, you know, it's, it's probably something that I'd be interested in wondering if it's happened or not. I would hope so, but you never know. I mean, he's got the right guy around to put him in touch with, with Forsberg and Joe Sackick. So you think it's definitely possible, definitely on the table. Um, Um, And I didn't answer the Bedard part of (laughs) your original question. Um, It would be fantastic to get him, but regardless if the Avs are technically in the lottery or not, it's probably pretty unrealistic. (laughs) <laughs> You'd have to win with like 1% odds or something. But mm-hmm. I think one thing to keep in mind is that, well, the focus is so much on Bedard and and he did have an incredible world juniors. He's just such a talent. This is going to be a really great draft class. Like it's shaping up where it could possibly be similar to the 2015 draft class where obviously the Avs got Miko at number 10. Mm-hmm. So they don't even need to win the lottery and get Bedard. They could potentially get a really good talent even around 10 or something, which I think that's maybe more realistic conversation is that should the Avs try to sell a guy like Erod, maybe Comfort, expiring contracts, get more assets, and then accept maybe a 10 to 15 overall pick and get a really good talent on the team. But it'd be so hard just to ask this team to pull the plug and they don't really seem to care about asset management as much but i think that is something they should think about because they let a lot of guys walk over last summer they let burkowski Kadri. they can't just keep doing that right like you have to get serious about getting assets at some point so with a season that's maybe not looking as special i think you got to think about it like i don't want them to give up i don't think anybody does the players are never going to give up and especially they're champions but you i think at some point you have to try to fortify your future rather than just think like this is the only year that they could win again yeah 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 i mean they've they've played this you know discussion in, into reality like you know as much as the you know the poll is is a, a troll and a joke you know if you look at the standings <laughs> they're closer to the bottom five than they are to the top five right now so like it's not that you know crazy of a, of a notion to be talking about this right now that you know you have Montreal is, you know, sixth, uh, the sixth worst team in the NHL. The Avs are eight points ahead of them. You know, that's another bat. That's another week like this. And, you know, they could, Montreal could, could catch them. So like, yeah, this is kind of a, a tongue in cheek discussion, but there is a little validity to this given how they have played as of late. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, last week we were talking about how on last week's podcast, I should say, we were talking about how um, we're not really worried. Uh, right. Like there's no reason to actually be worried. And I think that that still holds true, but they did have a terrible week uh, losing, <laughs> you know, and, and and it's it is kind of amazing how much one bad week of a couple losses can can swing the discussion this dramatically. But also they haven't looked good doing it. So there's 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 uh, there's definitely a reason for it. Yeah, um, I was, I was going to say that it was real been a rough, rough week. Uh, I'm going to I don't know if I'm going to say double advocate for this but i'm going to push back on that a little bit i'm a little i'm a little more worried i think maybe than others yeah you can go look at my article that i wrote this morning uh (laughs) that was written in a panic last night at midnight after the game had ended so (laughs) you know that's just the 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 youngster in me but in all seriousness like i think there's definitely more things to be worried about in terms of like the depth and that you know you're not getting the the points that you need you're not getting the replacements that you need you're Injuries continue to, to, you know, rise up. Dennis Mulligan's now out with an upper body injury. We don't mm-hmm. know how long that's for. He just, I don't know. I don't even know how much he played last night because I remember seeing on Twitter that he played one shift and then he played four seconds and then went off the ice and down the yeah. tunnel. So, you know, and Mulligan's only been here for, what, two, three weeks, something like that. He, not not long at all in the injury. He's really he's fitting into too. the culture, though, getting injured. Like <laughs> <laughs> What better way to, to learn the avalanche way? Oh my goodness! Uh, well, it, it sucks to laugh at it, but it's true and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it I, is. and I wasn't here for the discussion last week, which is good, by the way. Um, and and it is true, like in um, in questions like this, it, recency bias definitely colors your perspective on it. Um, they win a couple games, you definitely feel a little bit better, but. I think at this point you got to start looking at the standings. I mentioned a few podcasts back. I think them making the playoffs really comes down to staying ahead of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And right now they're tied and they do have a few games in hand on St. Louis, but they have the same number of points. And, um, and Nashville's, I think they're only one point behind as well. I, you know, I'm really not that worried about Nashville. I don't think they're very good, but the reality (laughs) is you have to stay ahead of these teams if you if you want to i guess not worry as much because it's so hard to climb over teams it's not so much about points it's about how many teams you have to pass because they're gonna win as well Mm -hmm. and um so i think to me that's the bigger concern it's not necessarily the five game in a row losing because we know they're gonna win again knock on wood (laughs) but we know they are better win again (laughs) it's just um you they really can't afford to fall further back, I guess is my point. Like it's not so much about the wins and the points, but it's about the teams and they can't fall behind St. Louis. Yeah. And just yeah. to piggyback off your point, Jackie, the, if you look at, you know, the Pacific standings, I think the two teams that are also kind of complicating things for the abs right now are the Kings and the Kraken. Cause you know, they're in the spots that basically everybody had reserved for the flames and the Oilers. And so now, you know, as long as the, the Kings and the Kraken are, are uh, setting the pace in the Pacific. The Avs are in the wild card chase with, you know, not just the Blues, but the Oilers and Flames as well. Yeah, that makes the competition real fierce. And that's what also what makes, you know, Saturday's game against the Oilers that much more important. And, you know, and the, the Pacific, the, the Pacific is just a wild, wild mess. I mean, who had Seattle in, are they in third? I think they're in third right now. Third, like who, yeah. had, who had Seattle in third place in the Pacific? And they, by the way, they have the most five on five goals in the league. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're a threat. It's going to be real. It's going to be real interesting to see how it goes, but also to kind of piggyback off of the standings and the points and whatnot. Um, the abs are they're only at least at the time of this recording because i know that calgary plays tonight um friday night um they are two points behind calgary for the final wild card spot um but the thing i'm at least a little more worried about is that they're five points behind the wilds for third in the central that's where i'm a little more like that's where i'm more concerned of of you know it might not end up being a a central division, you know, rivalry that will end up um, along. Yeah. And so it's going to be real interesting. And of course the blues are also five points behind as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I feel like I'm watching 
the 2017-18 and 2018-19 abs again, where they're just they're on the up and up and they're just trying to get a wild card spot and be in the show. So it really does feel like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it makes sense too because those teams three years ago were lacking depth, top heavy, mm-hmm. um, and our our depth is all on the on the shelf right now. So uh, yeah, say, those, are, those are one line teams too. Exactly, exactly, and they're he, and and they similarly had a, a tough time dealing with adversity, um, which you would think after a championship would have gone away, but but with so many players out, it's just. I mean, I I can't imagine being in. The, that locker room and seeing everything go wrong and staying even keeled, you know, like I, I wouldn't say I was the the calmest player when I was a player, but I, I was a, a captain on most of my teams, not like the captain, but a captain. And, uh, and I was in a position where I had to try to be the level headed one. But as soon as things started compounding, like a couple bad calls in a row, a couple, uh, a couple uh, uh mistakes by, I don't know. I guess I'm not going to blame any of my teammates. They're <laughs> nobody's listening here. But like a couple of things go bad in a row, and it's like, oh my god, we're done for. And uh, and I would try to stay level headed, but I can't. I, and I'm I'm they're professionals. They should be able to do that. But also, uh, they're extremely passionate people, and and I can only imagine they're feeling similarly to how I felt when uh, a ref made a bad call, Andrew Cogliano. Um, <laughs> so you know. Um, it's it's just it's 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 brutal when when things keep compounding. I guess what I'm trying to get to, what I'm what I the reason I said all that was because I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think that with all of the injuries mounting, um, uh, is each new thing kind of like uh, 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 the last the last straw on uh, breaking some of these guys' spirits, or do you, do you think that? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that, um, uh, Jacob? We'll start with you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, I think last night was like you could see the cracks really start starting to form, you know, that just awful stretch where, you know, Cogliano tries to clear it, it hits the ref, and then they, you know, Vancouver scores, Cogliano gets 10-minute misconduct for yelling at the ref after that, and the Avs give up two goals, you know, Georgiev slams his stick over the the crossbar mm-hmm. as, you know, the, you could, and you could just see that, that stretch, however long that was, five minutes or, or so, that really seemed to really kind of break their their spirit last night. Like you could see that they had to, you know, rah-rah each other on the bench and trying to get back into the game. And like, I really think that for this losing streak, you know, Georgiev slamming his stick over the, the crossbar, that's that's kind of the image of, of where the Avs are as, as a team right now. Yeah, that really sends a message, I feel like, that that you don't see, you don't see Georgiev with that much passion. We I mean, we've seen it when he... In the positives, when you beat the New York Rangers, your old team, in a shootout at Madison Square Garden, this is very much the opposite of that. And I think that 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 just kind of sends the message of like, you know, this is not where we want to be. This is not where any of us want to be. And, you know, on that goal, when they have in that third goal, I believe it was in like two and a half minutes when they gave up those three goals or something ridiculous like that. Um, Yeah, 233. So like, you know, Kale knew it too right away. That's why... after Georgia was slamming his stick on the on the crossbar that he's going and going to talk to him because he knows that that is not something he needs to do. Devon Taze knows it's something that shouldn't be done. That's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to relay re- relay that message to Georgiev in the heat of the moment, um, you know, that's that is something that you need right now. You need someone to to lead you and, and calm you down and do all those, all those things. Um, with that being said, you don't have your usual captain there to help you with land discard. And so to kind of go full circle on this, 
yeah, you kind of need him to be here. And, you know, his return is just going to be that much more important to this team. Yeah, completely agree. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's talk about Taves real quick, actually, because I, I saw a lot of of uh, frustrated fans online talking about his lackadaisical uh, 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 skating back on that icing call, and then the hooking penalty that he took, and then obviously the turnover that led to that third goal. People were frustrated about. He just kind of flipped a puck, trying to get it through the middle of the ice to Logan O'Connor, but instead it t- uh, hit off a skate and went to the Oilers player who scored. Um, um, what did you guys think of, of the icing and the hooking specifically? Um, uh, Jackie, I'll start with you. Did you see that play? What did you think of that? Um, I never saw a good replay of it, so <clears throat> I can't go in like too much okay. detail about it. But I definitely saw the, uh, you know, the goal against. Um, it's tough, and it makes you wonder about mental fatigue. And I, maybe that's something we'll get into at the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he also just had a baby, so not to really give a guy excuses um but <laughs> that could also lead to some mental fatigue i guess hey nonetheless um, congratulations to him at least Absolutely. yeah yeah good call um okay well so um, okay. i guess that's my take on it i mean he usually is not a lazy player and so uh i do think he gets a lot of pass though i i think a lot of the other defensemen get a lot more heat for their mistakes and i think sometimes his get glossed over a little bit so um, I, I think he should kind of wear what happened last night, but we also know that he is a much higher quality player than that. So it's just kind of, it's kind of where the team is at right now. Yeah. I've got to agree with that. Um, uh, uh, Jacob, did you see the play as well? what do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, Taze, like, like Jackie says, he doesn't get, you know, enough flack for kind of when, when he does screw up. I, I like, you know, I like to half joke that he's like the best defenseman in the league who, you know, who makes some of the most con- confounding turnovers you've seen all year. And so, it, you know, it's it's kind of frustrating that, like, you see how great he is so consistently defensively, and then he makes a couple of boneheaded plays like that, and you're just like, how, like, it's just confounding. It's how, like, how is a player that good able to do something that bad? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Evan, any final thoughts on that play? Yeah, I just kind of echo everything that the people are have been saying in here. It's it's something that, you know, he he's obviously a very good, def- talented defender, um, and the mental fatigue is there. It's setting in. You're, when you're playing so many minutes like you are right now and things aren't going your way, it's, it's unfortunate. And it's just, you know, kind of the way that things go. And so, you know, on that play specifically, um, you know, if – I think I think you just have to give more effort to that, but that also comes with more fatigue. And when you're more fatigued, it's harder to do those things. So it's just kind of like a snowball effect. So, um, you know, it is what it is. We move on from it. I know Taze is going to move on from it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all, that's all right. I, I definitely agree that icing, he, he could have skated back a little bit harder on that icing, got the call. Uh, it could have also been called. Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back away from that. I think what he did enough to put himself ahead of the other's player to win that race, but it didn't get called because he didn't seem like he was skating hard enough. And then I gotta say it, that hooking call was ridiculous. The hooking call was ridiculous. He didn't do anything. But look, we don't have time to to get into all of that because we have our guests here. Uh, we have Jeff Chapman here from the Oilers, uh, uh, the Oilers blog, Copper and Blue. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for having me. I really, really appreciate you bringing me on in and uh, look forward to hearing what you all have to say. <laughs> well, great. We look forward to hearing what you have to say. Obviously, we are we are playing uh uh we the four of us are playing against you tomorrow night <laughs> um uh the the matchup tomorrow night's it's it's an exciting one the oilers and and the abs are obviously both both pushing for the playoffs as we've been talking about a little bit today um and both are a little bit top heavy and lack a little bit of depth so it's it's going to be an interesting matchup um we all prepared a few questions for you um evan i'll, I'll let you go first yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think my question kind of surrounds um, what has happened in the offseason with the Oilers. Um, Jack Campbell came in and he has been far below expectations. Um, and I was actually I was actually writing our preview article for tomorrow morning and was trying to figure out, well, if Campbell's not the number one, who is the number one? And it's Stuart Skinner. I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Stuart Skinner. So if you could just talk about, you know, 
who is Stuart Spinner and how has he performed and, you know, how does he complement, um, you know, what has so far been a disappointing campaign for Jack Campbell? Well, that's an understatement and a half. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I like to, Ken Holland is a guy who I've given a fair bit of grief for, especially the first, geez, I guess it's been three years since he's taken the helm in Edmonton. And, you know, you've seen his goaltending and what it's looked like. It's been Mike Smith and, you know, Nico Koskinen was there when he came in. And I, I don't think Mike Smith was his first choice, but you see that you got kind of a mixed bag there. Um, he went out and he spent some money and he, he you know, he got Jack Campbell and, um, you know, I, I give him credit for, you know, striking where he thought was, uh, there'd be gold there in them hills, but it's been a very disappointing campaign so far for Jack Campbell. He's got a sub 900 save percentage and that definitely goes against everything that every Oiler fan and Ken Holland wouldn't have expected coming into 2022, 2023. Uh, I think last I looked, it was sub 880. Now, to Campbell's credit, he had a pretty good game last night, and the Oilers did in their win over the Islanders. So, thumbs up there. But it's been really, really bad. And um, Skinner has been almost everything we would have hoped Jack Campbell to have been. Uh, and who is Stuart Skinner? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, he's uh, an <laughs> Is he, you know, who? Yeah, he's not exactly a household name outside of Alberta yet, but he's a local product. He's from Edmonton, and, um, you know, he's came in, he's really, he's played his skates off, uh, you know, so far. I mean, he's uh, got a, I want to say it's a 915 save percentage. If I looked, it's right around there. Um, and I think that if everyone thought that Campbell was going to be a 915 overall, uh, they would have said, great success. Look at the signing. It's wonderful. Uh, but Skinner, I think, is an eight hundred thousand uh, or seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar cap hit right now for Edmonton. So he's only got less than forty career games, uh, but he's played you know probably two dozen this year so far, and he's really done well. So he saved what probably is a is a ten or eleven win season without him, uh, and made it you know uh, at least passable so far. Uh, so thumbs up to Stuart Skinner. And he's got a three-year extension now uh, going into next year. So uh, if the Campbell debacle continues, uh, I think it's going to be Stewart's ball. Well, to jump off of that, I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you have any theories as to what's gone wrong for Campbell? Is, is there anything that uh, that folks around Edmonton are talking about as potentially what's his uh, deal? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. If if you, know, if you talk to enough Maple Leaf fans, they'll tell you that they saw it coming. Mm. Um, and, and it hasn't been, you know, since 2022, it really hasn't been great sales for Jack Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of burst on the scene and he had some really good numbers and he had some quality starts. And, you know, I, I don't really, uh, I'm going to catch heat for this, but I don't, I don't really fault Ken Holland for going big on Campbell as much as I would say him making the Duncan Keith trade or, mm. uh, you know, other, other, you know, other moves that, you know, especially in the last off season, which were just cap eaters, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I give him credit for finally going out and getting this guy, you know, so some conviction there and, you know, it took him three years to do it, but he did what he did. It just really hasn't worked out in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm sorry. I, I spoke over you. What'd you say? No, I just said it hasn't yet, at least. So right, just, right. Like, he could still bounce back. He he was an effective backup in L.A. and he could be an effective backup if Stuart Skinner takes the reins. But, oh, but well, we'll see. We'll see. But um, a five million dollar backup is going to be right. <laughs> right. That's, That's a real problem. That's a real problem. Yeah, oh, yeah. have to. You have to sort that one out, Ken Holland. Um, but on the plus side, you have Connor McDavid. Which uh, Jacob, you had a question about Connor. Yeah, I mean, I figured, yes, I figured that it, like we'd be remiss if we didn't ask a question about the best player on the planet and bring mm-hmm. you on. Um, and I, you know, the big thing with him this year is, is obviously the the goal scoring is you know he's always been a great goal scorer, but like best goal scorer in the league now. And his uh, right now he's currently on pace for sixty seven goals this year. So what do you think over or under that total for for McDavid? Oh boy, you never count uh, like Tom Brady. You never really count out touchdown Tom. And <laughs> with with Connor McDavid, it's like, I mean, oh my gosh, 
there's so much you can say about Connor McDavid. I, I mistakenly thought of him as a, like a pass first kind of only player uh, because he's just electric with the puck. Right. Um, but 67 goals. I, I, I think, geez, I, I think I had him. Such for a big around, number. I, it's a wonderful <laughs> number. Uh, but I think I had him for around 45 in our, in our write up of him. Uh, and I, he's going to smash that. I don't want to doubt him, but 67 is just so many. If he hits 60, that's just going to be a wild number. So, yeah, I think 60 is – I like the number 60 more than I've ever liked it, which would be 15 or 16 higher than where I predicted him in the preview. Um, but 67, I mean, if there's any player that can do it, it'll be him. I just think it's a high, high mountain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just – it's been incredible to to watch him this year. That Like, last year you watch him and you're just like, man, how can, like, a hockey player get better than this? And David this year is like, yeah, let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous and it's you know we're just so blessed to be able to see him night in and night out and you know he'll have a two or a three point night and it's like yeah yeah he did all right and it's, <laughs> oh is that all just just two points mm-hmm. well yeah he had a goal and assist and one was on the power play so is it really a goal uh <laughs> but, but yeah it's just it's incredible and every time you know you figure at his age he would have peaked and uh, he's just one of those players where you're not sure if he's hit the top of the mountain yet, which is awesome and frightening all in one. Yeah. It's like ne- this time next year, we're going to be asking you over or under like 80 goals for, for him. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. laugh, but you never really know. It's I mean, just, yeah. say so that's, that's about the level of progress he's had this year. It's outrageous. Sure is. Well, um, uh, another version of outrageous is is guys who um, don't uh, stick in the lineup in a way that you expect. And and um, Jackie, you had a question about Ryan Murray, who I think yeah, is an I, example of that. I do have a two part question. I don't want to waste my whole question on Ryan Murray, but okay, I've uh, <laughs> like what happened to him. Like I know he's had the injury troubles that he had them with us. Uh, was he healthy scratched at all? Was he just nursing this injury before they put him on IR? Like I've even tried to look it up and. Nobody re- out there really talks about Ryan Murray, which is understandable. But as somebody who was uh, with us on our cup run last year, it just left me curious. It, if you could just kind of explain just what, what happened to him, I guess. Sure. Uh, as long as I follow the Oilers, they've kind of been a little bit cloaked, you know, under under wraps about injuries. Mm-hmm. And we know Murray, that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, general soreness. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> nasal decongestion. Uh, but with Ryan, with Ryan Murray, uh, he played what, a dozen games, and he was brought in to be like a third defenseman kind of guy. And that position has been sort of a popcorn popper because you've had guys like Philip Robert and Marcus Nielinen has been in there. And when Ryan Murray, you know, he kind of had a hold on it uh, for a little while. At worst, he was a seventh defenseman. Um, but he's been out now for, geez, it seems like a couple of months now. And it's just they put him on IR because of his back. And that's all you're really going to get uh, if you do any you know, sort of digging and coming in on, you know, as his back injury is recurring. Oh, okay, so he'll be on IR. For how long? Well, nobody really kind of knows. Maybe we'll see him in March. I don't know. Maybe if they trade Philip Bowler to Arizona for Jacob Chicker. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you might see more of him. I don't know. Uh, but your um, your guess is as good as mine right now. I have, nobody really knows when, if, how. You know, it's like Slater Cuckoo. He was out. He was in. He was out for a while. And then you didn't really hear about him. And then you know he he's going. You know, he's doing his thing right now where he's 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 getting better. But um, nobody really knows um, uh, a whole lot. So your guess is as good as mine as far as that goes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that, that does uh, explain it for sure. Uh, my other question was just uh, how the Oilers approach to integrating youth has, has it, has it changed at all this year or um, because that's something that I've noticed as an outsider, like you just never saw them giving Tyler Benson a chance. Like, are they giving Holloway a real chance or what about Broberg? And I actually noticed that Stuart Skinner was a good goaltender last year. And I feel like if they had taken him more serious last year, maybe the Jack Campbell thing wouldn't mistake wouldn't have happened. It's like, it was, it was kind of clear that Skinner had something at that point. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like they just sort of ignored it. So that's just kind of my overall general question is just, is the, their approach to 
to you integrating youth changed at all? Um, no. And <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think Jay Woodcroft, his head coach, last year when he was kind of thrust into it, was a little bit more progressive and he kind of went a little bit off the grid. He's running a lot of 11 sevens. Uh, where there's seven defensemen to kind of spell a few of them a little bit more. And we might have seen a little bit more flexibility. But it hasn't been all peaches and cream for uh, Woodcroft this year. And I don't know if that's just, you know, him his resilience to go up and, you know, give Dylan Holloway more than nine minutes a night because that's where he's at right now. Um, and they're putting him on the fourth line often. And I don't know how much magic you're going to make with guys like Devin Shore. Um, uh, so is it any better? Have they gotten any more progressive? Maybe a little bit, but that's only because Stuart Skinner has been kind of carrying the bag right now, uh, for the team in net. They were going to play Campbell probably 55 games this year if he took off. Uh, it, 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 you've seen it's not great. Um, and with Skinner, I think they're just playing him out of necessity right now. I don't think he's got two dozen games at this point if he's not just, you know, miles and miles better than Campbell right now. And I think that you know, with guys like Broberg and Nina Linen, I think they're using them out of necessity more than uh, them wanting to. Ken Holland's always been a guy who wants to percolate the young players. Uh, as you, if you've seen him in Detroit, he dies down, you know, for five years before they crack into the big leagues. And I think that if he had his way and things were going just so right, that'd be more of the same. But right now, youth is being served in the form of goaltending and, you know, not a whole heck of a lot. You'd like to see a little bit more elsewhere, but nine minutes a night for Holloway. And uh, I think he should be up higher in the lineup and I think he should probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe that'll earn him a few more minutes. Yeah, Holloway's actually mm-hmm. one of my personal favorites. I do like him a lot. So um, I would like to see him do well for sure. Behind yeah. the Van Kane, behind Zach Hyman, uh, and I think they really like Warren Fogel a whole bunch um, in Edmonton. Um, so right there, uh, that'll put him on the fourth line when Evander Kane comes back for sure. Uh, so uh, it's frustrating for you know on my through my eyes because I think that you play talent with talent, and uh, if you want Holloway to be on the team for eight to ten to twelve years, I think you should start throwing him with some big fish. I agree. Yeah. Me too. I, I, he, as anybody who's been listening to the show knows, I grew up in Wisconsin. I love the Badgers and he was a Badger. He was a great player. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, it sucks to see him kind of getting that short end of the stick on the fourth line. I just, for me, it seems so strange that he's even on the NHL club right now when, I, I mean, we see it with the avalanche too, where, where, good young players will get stuck on the fourth line and then back to the HL and then back to the fourth line and then back to the HL. And it's like, what are we really doing for these guys? Um, what do you think? Do you think he would benefit from being in the AHL? As opposed to playing nine minutes on a fourth line with Devin Short? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I think he's an NHL player. And it's difficult to say because I don't think that the Oilers play necessarily their best line night in and night out. And, you know, Holloway's had some rookie mistakes and, you know, he's dished the puck off, you know, just blindly to, you know, the opposition. And, you know, that's going to happen with a young player, no matter if you're mm-hmm. forward or defenseman. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, I think that him playing is the best thing. Is he going to learn things from the big club that he wouldn't learn in the AHL? Yeah, perhaps. And he, now, again, everybody wants things to be instantaneous and we want, you know, him to be successful immediately and we want him to play 18 minutes a night. And I understand that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right off the box, I get that, but I think he's you know they're looking at more of the intangibles and they're looking at more of okay he's learning how to be a professional on the fourth line at nine minutes and that's very frustrating from a fan who wants to see him score twenty goals this year um, and I think that he'd be benefited by playing more uh, but you know there's if he's in the AHL I, I think he's clearly at or better than all of that competition at this time so. Is he going to learn anything in the AHL? You know, maybe he'll score some more goals, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Okay, well, good point. Um, uh, I hope uh, all the best for him. Uh, go Badgers. Um, now, uh, I'm curious uh, for the Oilers as a whole. Um, you know, obviously last season they they 
made the playoffs ended up taking on the avalanche in the final how do you feel about this year's team compared to uh to last year's it's frustrating um it's very frustrating because they were expected to be a good team you know and holland got his goal under and you know you expected it all to kind of come together and you know the, the the moons would align and the orders would take off and you know at least be near the top of the however things as you have noticed don't really necessarily all the way go according to plan and it's frustrating because they're teetering right at that second wild card position this is a team with a guy who could score 150 points this season and dry side was going to easily you know kick 100 and my god what are we doing what is going on you know this team should be everywhere right now in my mind but they haven't and you, you look at the playoffs, and McDavid was scoring two points a game. He ended up with 33 points in the 16 games that they played. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, you can't count them out, ever. But I don't think that's – planning on your nuclear players to go nuclear every game isn't necessarily a great plan. And, you know, if he goes nuclear, then the sky's the limit. They could get in, you know, with 96 points and go to the finals. Um, I just don't think that that's necessarily the best plan. And the Oilers are frustrating in defense right now. They're one of the worst penalty kills in the league. And mm. goaltending is a 24-year-old guy named Stuart Skinner. It's got, what, 40 NHL games. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, it's not a recipe for success on paper. It makes for a great style movie script, but you don't necessarily win championships in Hollywood. Yeah, That's and true. Jeff, just to jump in, Adrian, the producer here, thanks for coming on and, and uh, talking with me and arranging all this. Just to kind of talk on something that I'm intrigued with, isn't it interesting that it's obvious how quickly things can change and for various reasons in the NHL as this is a rematch of the Western Conference Final, but the outlook for the both teams, including the defending champ Colorado Avalanche, has pretty greatly shifted uh from your point of view why do you think that is for the Edmonton Oilers do you think it was because they were maybe not as good as they appeared last year or kind of what's going on there well clearly they're not as good as as they were last year and (laughs) a lot of you know kind of good juju I'll say kind of happened last year uh Mike Smith played pretty good and he you know his play has always been a toss-up and he has injury history and goal uh and like i say mcdavid went nuclear in the playoffs you know he, he had 33 points in 16 games which is more than two points a game which is outrageous uh you know the defense came together a little bit better last year uh i don't necessarily think that they were much better on paper but you know it, it anything can happen in four games anything can happen in a series um you know, uh, it's just uh, I I don't think that they're much worse. I just think that their goaltending with Jack Campbell has just been very poor, and the defense and penalty kill right now, all their warts are showing. Cody Cece can't be on a first pair. Let's go, boys. You know, like, <laughs> like uh, gentlemen, you can't have Cody Cece doing the big line minutes. And Arnold Nurse is a good player, but he's a top four defenseman, and you know the flaws in his game are apparent when he plays big time minutes so the Oilers need an injection on defense and uh, they would probably do better to have another goaltender that isn't Jack Campbell right now and until those things change uh, they're going to depend on you know McDavid and Drysdale to go nuclear and if they do look out you know there'll be a lot of fire wagon hockey but if they don't um, you know I think you're, you're looking at a slightly better than average team well great um, well that That'll uh, that'll make sense. Um, we do have this matchup between the two teams tomorrow night. So my my last question for you today, Jeff, is uh, what do the Avalanche have to do to beat the Oilers tomorrow? Well, uh, they have. You know what? If the Oilers take penalties, they're going to have a bad time. The Oilers are going to have a bad time. Uh, they have a seventy three percent penalty kill ish success rate. Last I looked, two or three days ago. And if you're, you know, the Avalanche have firepower. And if you're allowing a goal every two or three power, you know, penalty kills, it's, it's going to be a bad time. Um, so if they get, you know, the Oilers uh, off on their special teams, it'll be a tough night for Edmonton. Um, just your speedy forwards against the Nurse CC line. Uh, is, 
if they just do their thing, it, it could be, you know, very difficult. Um, if Stuart Skinner holds the fort, it could be a good night for Edmonton because, uh, he, you know, he's turned away some 46, 47 safe performances. Mm-hmm. That's something you want to bet on. But if he wants to pull one out of his, you know, out of his coat pocket, that'd be great for Edmonton. But, you know, just special teams and, uh, you know, uh, exposing the top line defense um, is is very possible is uh, if if the if the avalanche can score four or five goals it'll be very difficult for edmonton to win I and mean, it'll be difficult for any any team to win but yeah you can't ever count out the avalanche they're just so good and they have so many they have so many weapons on up front and like i say special teams is just it's it's the achilles heel right now of the oilers and if you know thank goodness they're supposed to play skinner but if they don't play skinner it could get ugly quick <laughs> well, I guess we'll hope they don't play Skinner then. Um, we have a lot of weapons on the shelf. That would help us out a lot. Um, well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jeff Chapman of the uh, uh, Copper and Blue blog. You can read his stuff at copperandblue.com, uh, uh, Sports Nation blog. Um, Jeff, thanks again for coming on. Thank you all for having me so much. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Good night yeah, tomorrow. Nice okay. Yeah, let's have, a, let's have a good clean game tomorrow night. Yeah, let's all have some fun. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. All right. Um, well, that was, that was Jeff Chapman, as we said. Um, thanks again to Jeff. Um, any, any takeaways from that at Oilers conversations guys? Well, we're, we'll have a clean game since Nazem Kadri and Evander Kane will be going at each other's throats at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't have yeah. the heart to tell them. There's no way the abs are scoring five. <laughs> I know. I didn't have the heart to think it. <laughs> just seems like we talk about the same stuff with the oilers every year like it must it must just feel like being purgatory yeah. being an oilers fan where it's like Definitely. well if we just get any depth around mcdavid and dry and get you know anybody to play defense and anybody to play goalie like this is what it's been mcdavid's entire career yeah we've had and, those and own hear- conversations and hearing that they they're really not taking the young guys anymore serious, like mm-hmm. that's where your depth comes from. It's like right. you you can't go out and buy depth. Nobody has the money for that, especially when they just spent five million dollars on a goalie. When the guy they had that's better is making seven hundred thousand dollars, you know, and that's where your depth comes from. And and if you don't take you seriously, you're never going to have it. Hundred percent. Looking looking at the Oilers' stats, just just their basic stats on ESPN, I'm I'm seeing that uh, Warren Fogle, who's one of the guys that uh, Jeff mentioned, is getting played over Dylan Holloway is playing 12 minutes a night, has seven points in 28 games. <laughs> uh, and and I've I saw last night or two nights ago, the Oilers' Twitter was just going after Fogle for for something. I don't I honestly I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't remember what it was, but he was not playing well, I guess. And there he is getting more minutes than Holloway, who's got five points in his. Eight Eight minutes a night um so they're they're comparable players but one's got much more upside if i was an Oilers fan i would want to see holloway up in the top six at least the top nine but uh i'm not thank god oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm in on the convo because i i i took a lot from i thought a lot was interesting from what he had to say mostly mm-hmm. like jackie's stuff about the young guys because and and when he kept saying like you expect Drysidel and McDavid to nuke, but that's not uh, sustainable, right? And we know that mm-hmm. better than any franchise. We've been like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Ezra. We've been top heavy, um, and we've been in the position where we wanted to rely on the McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen line way too much, and we know it pretty much gets you beat. Um, so mm-hmm. I found it interesting that he identifies that they don't seem to really be caring too much about the young guys. Jackie, why do you think that is? Is it is it the GM? Is that just his approach? Um, the Oilers in general, I think, are a very old school franchise. I think a lot of them tend to operate this way. And, and there is old school tendencies among all NHL, but... I think in particular Edmonton is one of the most old school and Holland obviously doesn't help. I thought it was interesting when um, our guests mentioned like wanting to keep guys in the AHL for five years. Like you just can't do that. Their waiver exemption and their EOC is up after three years. How can you keep someone in the AHL for five? Like at that point, they just have no value. Mm -hmm. If they're still around, they're just, 
they're just minor career minor league players. So um, I think that's working against them. And they just really seem to um, prioritize more than most organizations, these, uh, you know, old, old school experienced grinders, I guess you could say. And so um, I don't, I don't really know if there's a way out of that. Like you can tell from their media, just how old school they are. They push these narratives like, Oh, you need to be in the AHL forever. You need, need to respect these, these guys that have been around the block and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think it's mm-hmm. just, it's a feedback loop. It just self fills. And um, it's going to be really hard for them to break out of it. I think to adopt some more modern thinking. And I think like uh, on that point, we saw sort of the good version of bringing in, veteran depth grinders type players in Colorado last year with Darren Helm and Andrew Cagliano, who are, are technically veteran depth, gritty forwards, but also they fit the identity of the fast skilled young team that the Colorado had. So it, it's, it's using those players in a, in a smart way uh, that I feel like Edmonton and specifically Ken Holland, even back when he was in Detroit uh, uh, at the end there, <laughs> the cap era, Ken Holland, I guess, um, really missed where just having older guys who know what to do doesn't matter if you can't get up and down the ice fast enough to play in the modern NHL. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it'd be, it'd be rough to be an Oilers fan, but again, fortunately I am not. Uh, <laughs> let me, um, let me just, yeah, they wouldn't be my second choice. Yeah. Let me put it that way. <laughs> no. Um, I'm just going to throw you the live poll results. Yes. Thank you. So okay. should oh, we boy. be tanking for, Connor Bedard, young man who looked excellent in the World Juniors. 40% yes out of 83 wow. votes. 60% no. Now, 40% yes. Me, That's interesting. Wow. Me, wow. Are there are all those votes ironic or I what? don't know. Let or, me look. Is let, that really the thought yeah, process? Yeah, here's the comment. It's, it's First probably comment. like half ironic and then half like pure rage. Yeah. <laughs> First comment, LOL. Second comment, gonna... slow off day, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Third comment is a stick figure of, uh, it's one stick figure slapping another <laughs> stick figure in the face. So, yeah. That's, That's great. Oh, good job. I, I, was reading, I was reading those comments when the tweet first came out and I was trying to hold back my laughter. So that was, that was funny. Also, well, while we're talking about World Junior, shout out Sean Barron's. The, Absolutely. The, the avalanche, the future avalanche defender, hopefully, maybe <laughs> we'll see how that goes uh, with the trade deadline and, and whatnot. But he's a bronze medalist. Yeah. And Jackie, you had a, you wrote a piece about that. Yeah. Yeah. It just was published right before we started recording this. And um, yeah, he had a, he had a good tournament. He played a lot. Uh, I think he just uh, scored three points, a goal and two assists. But um, he had a big role. He was alternate captain um luke hughes of course uh carried the offensive load there for the back end but mm-hmm. i think it was a pretty successful tournament for barons uh uh couple that with maybe a little bit less production at du i think it was good for him to to have a good little moment here but i i guess maybe his eventual ceiling when it comes to offensive numbers might be question a little bit and he is a little bit undersized and, and not the best skater ever so not really sure exactly where to peg him as far as is he really going to play on the abs and where, but you don't need to worry about that right now. It's just I think the next question on the horizon for him is he, is he going to sign this spring or is he going to go back to school for another year? And I see it really as 50 50 right now might depend how his season finishes, but I, I can see an argument either way for Mm -hmm. either of those paths, but um but definitely kudos to him. He was our only prospect in this tournament. So to walk away with a medal and and in a big role is pretty cool. So uh, we're happy for Sean Barons and Team USA. Okay, definitely. And I've seen a lot of comparisons for him to like a Tory Krug or something. But but I watched the the these WDC games and it, it what jumped out to me was just his like smarts and positioning. He's he always seems to be 
he kind of he, he reminded me more of Devin Taves, obviously a different size profile, a different player. But but uh, Taves in the way that he is always in the right spot and generally making the right decision, although last night was questionable, um, generally making the right decision in the right spot, just making these solid little plays that don't necessarily show up on the score sheet, but really make a big impact on the game. That's what I was seeing from Barons. I, I don't mean to say that he his ceiling is is a number one pairing defenseman on a Stanley Cup champion, but I, I just that st- style of of defender seemed more to fit him than what I've been hearing before from other folks about him, you know, being similar to a Tory Krug. I'm curious if anybody else had thoughts on that. I think he fits the abs very well. Sometimes he kind of reminds me of the car in a way, just the way that um, he moves along the blue line. Like it almost seems like he's studying Macar, which, you know, it's probably a good idea for any defenseman out there really. But so I think he can take a little bit, um, from some of the avalanche defensemen and, and maybe they are sort of steering him in that direction as well from the development team. So um, I wouldn't say that I had that exact thought, but I can see where you're coming from with that because mm. he's not really going to be like a pure offensive guy. Like he could settle into more of a Gerard type defenseman. I know that's a four letter word around <laughs> these parts <laughs> No, that's These a successful days. top four defenseman. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Since he's come um, into the league. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if he's that type of player, maybe in a little different style, I, th- I think that could work for the team as well. Yeah. And just to branch off a little bit on when we were talking about the trade deadline and how Barons or any prospect really might figure into that. We are, and you guys are just going to hear about this now as well as the the world but i'm going to be doing pretty much a a day-long live broadcast on trade deadline day and i'm going to ask that you for drop drop in whenever is convenient for you on that day so sure that way we can focus you know our news specifically on who the avs are kind of working with obviously there might not be a lot to talk about but in the meantime, we can d- definitely do some speculations and talk about some of the chips that are leaving the trade deadline board. So producer Ado says, come to Mile High Hockey's podcast and live stream on trade deadline day so you get all the Av stuff first. <laughs> and I hate, I absolutely hate the trade deadline. <laughs> so if you want some entertainment, I... <laughs> It might become for me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it well, seems great. like everybody makes either like the Avs did wonderful at the deadline last year, but mm-hmm. uh, typically that's not the case for most teams in the league. So I'm right there with you, Jackie. I'm, for the abs. I'm sure we're yeah. I'm sure we're going to be going. Oh God, what did we just do? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it more as the de- deadline approaches. But I, I am kind of on the side of like, let's let the guys who come back from injury be our additions and not mm-hmm. sacrifice the future too much more this season. But you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I'm excited to to get into it and doing a, a live stream that day sounds really yeah. Fun. And we'll know exactly how management feels about that two C position on deadline day. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if they bring in Bo Horvat, we know they didn't like something. Uh, <laughs> we we know they're short sighted all of a sudden. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, uh, guys, this uh, this is really fun. Um, thank you for for being here and uh, uh, letting me letting me host an episode. I really enjoyed it, and I, I hope uh, if you're listening at home, you did too. You can uh, like this uh, uh, this podcast on YouTube. That would help us a lot. Subscribe to it there. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. If you you're hearing this on a podcast podcast platform you probably already did that but you haven't told your friends yet so do that uh it really helps us out um we're trying to make sure everybody knows that we have this podcast so help us out folks um uh, uh for uh adrian jacob evan and jackie i'm ezra and this was the mile high hockey lab we'll catch you next week folks mile high hockey lab, mile high hockey lab. Mile high hockey lab. Mile high hockey lab.